So if we were to line up 3,000 football fields, that would be 360,000 yards long. Yes. Now fill that full of mesquite, black brush. You, know, you saw it down, down in South Texas. Everything's we got a thorn. Everything. And, and, you know, hunting pigs, we didn't really want to walk 40 yards into it. No, it's terrible. It's awful. And, and, and even at that, you know, providing feed, you know, there's all these, these things that people associate with Texas hunting, whether it be feeders or whether it be protein feeders, whether it be corn, whatever it is, feeding senderos, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't realize is if, if those deer have no reason to come out of that brush, period. And if you don't have something that, for a reason for them to do so, that you may not see them at all. And I think that's that's a lot of people's thought about high fences. It's a given because they can't get away, but they absolutely can get away. <laughs> yes. All they have to do is move ten yards, yes. and they got away. Yes. These are stories of outdoor adventure and expert advice from folks with calloused hands. I'm James Nash, and this is the Six Ranch Podcast. The Six Ranch Podcast is brought to you by Sig Sauer. SIG is a leading provider and manufacturer of firearms, electro-optics, ammunition, air guns, and suppressors. For over 250 years, SIG Sauer Inc. has evolved and thrived by blending American ingenuity, German engineering, and Swiss precision. Today, SIG Sauer is synonymous with industry-leading quality and innovation, which has made it the brand of choice amongst the U.S. military the global defense community, law enforcement, competitive shooters, hunters, and responsible citizens. Sig Sauer is also a premier provider of elite firearms instruction and tactical training at the Sig Sauer Academy located in New Hampshire. For more information about Sig Sauer and its complete line of products, visit SigSauer.com. Okay, Mr. Brandon Blanche, we're here at an undisclosed location in Central <laughs> Texas. And this has been an incredible weekend. And the word incredible gets thrown around a bit loosely these days. But I have been amazed multiple times every day of things that I've seen and experienced here with you. Great. Truly. Great. Like you're living the life down here. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that we finally got you down here. I know yeah. we've talked about it in the past. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, every day I wake up and I'm like, wow, I get to do this again. So what do you do here? Um, virtually we're a year round hunting operation. It's, it's exotics, whitetails. We, we just move right into the next season. We try to take a month off between each if we can, but we're just so busy right now. Just moving, moving into different, different operations. So how many species do you guide for? Like, let's start listing them. That's if it's alive, and they have them in the U.S., we've got them. I yeah. mean, it's I, I'm I've been real lucky. I've, I've been people blessed. don't understand, right? No, they, so they, that's it's. Let's talk about them. So you know, my my main draw I would say would be access deer. Yep. That's that's my I've I've been real blessed with with wonderful landowners. Mm-hmm. I've been 
I say I'm blessed now. I've had some not so good ones, you know, that we've dealt with in the past that that we've kind of moved away from. But the ones that I have now, um, versus what I do is I I, I have contracts with m- multiple ranches throughout the state. Um, probably around, uh, like I said, my, my most um, the one the what the thing that we hunt the most would be axis deer. I guess that's what we're most known for. Mm-hmm. You guys got the number three axis in the world. It did at one time. It did. It's gone now. Yeah. It's, it's fallen down the down the um, the record books. But um, we kill a lot of big big deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kill a lot. Uh, I think last year we were in the hundreds. We try to kill close to a hundred a year if we can during the, during the summertime mostly. That's their most. Uh, and a mix of low fence and high fence. Both. Yes. Yeah. Um, we have um, quite a bit of high fence country. A lot of high fence country we have but that's texas right i mean that's what people and i know we'll probably talk about that but but we also have a lot of low fence country it's 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 the same hunt there's not much difference to to hunting both so why why would you put up high fence they cost sixteen thousand dollars for a quarter mile sure so that i think that's one of the biggest things with people that, that that have a problem with let's say texas hunting right that's what they picture they picture giant monstrosities of of animals right these 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 white-tailed deer with that are just just in, for lack of a better term not not very good looking you know that to me it's not my style but that's what they picture they picture that an easy hunt behind a, a high fence right if it was up to me and i and i was the 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 original guy that got to plan what happened in texas i would say no no high fence at all keep it all low right but I also understand as a person who's managed ranches and managing one now, right, and, and work with landowners that, that have to try to maintain the population, the genetics, the age class that, they, that you have to keep to have trophy animals, right, to, to be able to, and to be able to provide that to everyone. When, when customers come, they want to, or, or just anybody hunting in the state, they want to, they want to kill a large mature deer. Mm-hmm. or a large mature animal, or the best of that species that they can, right? Mm-hmm. The best example I can give you is working in South Texas and building deer fence and, 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 and uh, when I was younger, seeing landowners that had struggled for so long to build up their population, right? They build up their population on their ranch. They, they do everything right. They work with their age classes correctly. They get the right feed out. They do everything they're supposed to do, and their neighbors come in, who may be lease hunters, they may be just people who have lived there forever and have passed a larger ranch down to family members that slowly breaks ranches down to 5, 10, 20-acre places and they put up a, a deer feeder along a landowner's fence line and they shoot whatever comes to them. Right. Well, if, if you've got, a, say, a 1,000-acre property and your entire fence line is covered with 100-acre properties, 20-acre properties that all have their own deer feeder or hunters just just along your fence and they sh- everybody shoots a deer that's out of the right age class but it doesn't take long to wipe out what you've been working for and i understand now like when it first went up when they first started dealing with it i'm like man that, that's just not not really what i'm into mm-hmm. so realizing what they're doing it for you can you can really really intensely manage a property and and what I, when i when i talk about a property i'm not like, my smallest ranch is three thousand acres right the smallest ranch that we hunt on. That's not a gimme. People have a hard time understanding what 3,000 acres is. Absolutely. Um, it's, not, it's not a space that a lot of people can conceive of. And even Western hunters, 
tend to think that, you know, they're covering huge amounts of ground when they're, when they're hiking and hunting. Yeah. 3000 acres is a lot. It is. You know, and, and I was lucky enough when I was younger to, to hunt large ranches, large low fence ranches in North Texas. I was lucky enough to go to other states and do things and see what everybody else did. Right. And then now you get a better understanding of what it is. And, and we can, these big ranches have, and we're lucky through the, the areas that we're, that we do hunt to have a large population, a very large population of animals. And if we didn't have that sort of um, the, the high fence in that in those locations, we wouldn't be able to provide the hunts that we do. We just wouldn't. Yeah. So, three thousand acres. Okay. Um, so an acre is the size of a football field with both end zones. So if we were to line up three thousand football fields, that would be three hundred and sixty thousand yards long. Yes. Now fill that full of mesquite black brush you know you saw it down down in south texas everything's got a thorn everything and and you know hunting pigs we didn't really want to walk 40 yards into it no it's terrible it's awful and 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 even at that you know providing feed you know there's all these these things people associate with texas hunting whether it be feeders or whether it be protein feeders whether it be corn whatever it is feeding senderos right Mm -hmm. didn't realize is if if those deer have no reason to come out of that brush period and if you don't have something that, for a reason for them to do so, that you may not see them at all. And I think that's that's a lot of people's thought about high fences. It's a given because they can't get away. But they absolutely can get away. <laughs> yes. All they have to do is move 10 yards. Yes. And they got away. Yes. Because you cannot see them anymore. Yes. Or just stand still because it's so brushy. You look So the, the last pig that we shot yesterday, mm-hmm. right? We were at, the, at, a, at a, a lake for a while, sitting down not very far from where this pig walked out. And we're like, oh, let's just call it. We've had a good day. Yeah. Real good day. Let's, walk, let's head back to the truck and, and head out. And we turn around and a pig takes two steps. And it's the first time we've seen him and he's been there the whole time. Yeah. We have no idea. Never had a chance. Never had a chance. We never had a chance of seeing him. No. He also, at that point, didn't have a good chance because he decided <laughs> to walk across an opening while I had a... <laughs> rifle in my hands absolutely um no pig hunting was a lot of fun yes so much fun and of course and i don't have good numbers on this stuff but the hogs are a super serious problem in texas and in some ways some texans have brought that problem on themselves by charging for hunts by moving pigs to new areas yes um but there's a lot of people within the ag community and then people who are trying to, you know, manage for other types of wildlife or other resource objectives that that really suffer because a pig has a gestation period of three months, three weeks, three days. They can have large litters, um, you know, over 10 piglets. Most of them don't. And, you know, they reach sexual maturity really quickly. Yep. So if you start out with a few hogs, you can have hundreds in a really short amount of time it doesn't take long and when you when you go to south texas and you see the corn or you know anywhere that we've where we have crops peanuts whatever it may be the loss to um and you know people have talked about this forever about pigs right that the damage they that they do until you see the the crop loss and the and the land loss that there is to them i mean people can't comprehend it's just it's amazing well, you take our, our place that we were shooting pigs yesterday. We thought we had eradicated them completely. 
uh, about eight years ago. Right. And what we we, we saw quite a few yesterday. Yeah, saw quite a few. We shot six. Yes. In a day. Yes. And in a day, that also means that realistically, we only hunted for like four hours. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Because it was, um, it it reached a million degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and we had to yes. run to town like a bunch of sissies and get some Dairy Queen. That's right. Nothing helps out a ninety-three degree day like a Dairy Queen ice cream. Yeah, and four days ago, I was getting snowed on in northern Idaho with yes. a twenty-mile-an-hour wind on a lake. Yes, and what? it was what fifty-six this morning, and I'm freezing to death. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't take it. What a time to be alive! <laughs> that, that such things are possible, right? Yes. I, I really, I really try not to take travel for granted that you can have these types of experiences back to back to back like i got on an airplane and flew 2100 miles right yes to get here and the fact that that's capable in an afternoon is amazing you flew down here landed in san antonio we came up we shot your gun in and we killed a giant axis axis deer the next morning yeah sighted in the gun and the headlights yes yes had a nice stock i'll tell you what this feels very much like Africa to me. And it's an oak savanna. You know, wasn't hunting in oaks in Tanzania. But the topography here, the the types of vegetation, as far as, you know, what the trees generally are, what the brush generally is, it feels very much like Africa. And it, the style of hunting here is consistent with the style of hunting in Africa. Yes, and, and that's another thing. The African animals do so well here. That's it, it makes sense. It's from ranches that may have giraffes just to look at. We don't hunt them or anything like that. But um, all the way to your access to everything. But animals from other countries do very, very well here from all over the globe. Um, Oftentimes better than they do in the place that they came from. Absolutely. Rather, the you take the scimitar horned oryx, mm-hmm. how well they've done here. We've repopulated. Don't an, tell an me about almost, that history. So. In the early 2000s, the scimitar oryx had become pretty much extinct in their native land, Chad, mm-hmm. uh, Dubai, the, 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 I guess, sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah. Um, there was a large population here in Texas um, on game, game ranches and that sort of thing, and they had come to the point where the, the federal government decided we, could, we weren't going to kill anymore. They were going to become an endangered species, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Knowing Texas ranchers are not going to keep around animals that that aren't just they're just going to populate their land, and not be able to do anything with them, right? They could be doing something else. Uh, started kind of wiping them out. Just okay, well, or, or we're we're not going to just keep them around. When is this the regulation going to set set in? Well, then they they kind of backed off that and said, well, we'll what we will do is we'll we'll provide Texas ranchers will provide animals and money to other countries. And, re- and repopulate where they are. And now they have a population in, Ch- in Chad where they didn't have them before. I believe it's Chad. I'm almost positive that's where it's at. I'd be lying to you if I was exact. But, um, and they've, they've repopulated there. And it's to the point now where they're a huntable population. As with um, the addicts, the addicts was the same thing. They, they were almost extinct in their native, or, or were in their native land, repopulated through Texas animals. Um, we're on the same track with Arabian oryx, and Dama Gazelle to bring those back to to a, to their native population. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. 
it's it's super cool. The Audat is another animal that's done extremely well here and is almost gone in Africa. And that is, I mean, that hunt is blowing up. I mean, that is the new, um, there was a long time in, in and it's still a lot of people, a lot of ranchers, just there's so many now. Mm-hmm. Um, they came over in the 50s, I think it was 57, when they first brought them to Texas. Mm. Um, and they're just, they're everywhere. Yeah. And, and, and doing very well. And bit, nice big sheep, too. So. And it's, it's an achievable sheep. Absolutely. Because if we're, if we're talking honestly, most people, no matter how bad they want it, are never going to be able to hunt a stone sheep. A doll sheep, a desert bighorn sheep, yes, Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep. It's That's, not going to happen. They call them the poor man's, you know, bighorn down here. But but it's, but it's a not. real hunt. It's real. There's nothing. And, and what's what's wild about that? Not only them, but all the exotics is they're everywhere. It was like we were talking um, with the the manager here at this ranch. You never know what's going to show up. Right. It could be psycho deer too. They've had elk walk walk through. They've had red stag, fallow deer. Um, black buck just show up out of nowhere. The axis, the ac- I mean, how many axes we see just driving around on the highways? Yeah, tons. they're everywhere, everywhere. Tons. So the audit have done the same. They're yeah. they're from West Texas to North Texas to all through Central Texas, mm-hmm. and they're a really really cool animal. Love them. Um, didn't see any this weekend, but man, they're just awesome. So that that's another aspect of you know quote unquote high fence that is worth mentioning. These animals can clear that fence. They can. They can. If, if they're pushed or really don't want to be here. Yeah. From the, I've seen it. I've watched kudu go over a fence. Right. You know, uh, my friends of mine have told me about Elon just leaving a place. Yeah. You know, um, water gaps, that sort of thing. I mean, these animals are gone. It, it happens all the time. Yeah. And, and uh, but, but even, even that, the animals that are here, it's no gimme. I mean, no. it, it, there, there are animals that will, I have an 8,000-acre place out west of here uh, toward Rock Springs that there's a lot of access to your people. Ask me, well, I'll take a picture of a deer, right? And they'll be like, hey, when's the last time you saw this deer? I'm like, I haven't seen that deer in two years again. Mm-hmm. But it'll, and it'll show up. We'll see him another time, a different part of the ranch. So it's not a gimme. There's, there's no telling what we're but, – but, and, and that goes also back to our population. We, we have ver- a very high population of access. They, they do really, really well. What are some other things that people don't understand or, or don't get quite correct about hunting, hunting in Texas? So every, I, you know, we're pretty successful. Mm-hmm. We are. But, but like everyone thinks it's the gimme. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's, you're going to come down here. It's just riding around on paved roads and you're going to, you know, go sit in a, in a box and all these animals are going to come pouring in and it's just going to be a gimme, no problem. Can that happen? Yes. Yes, but that's generally because somebody did their job. Right. You know, if I go on an elk hunt out west and, and I kill an animal on the first day, I mean, I'm, I'm not mad about it. Right. At all. That's great. Yeah. So the guy did his, his job. The outfitter did what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you see a lot of times, and, you know, I think social media and, and that sort of thing, I think people, people will always want to, I mean, we look at anything that any, I don't care what you post right? Somebody has something to say. We talked about that yesterday. Um, There's always going to be people that are going to find a negative with what you're doing. The thing is, I I take a lot of people from all over the world and we do a legit hunt and people enjoy it. 
if if people didn't come down to kill animals, they wouldn't bring bullets, right? And they wouldn't bring a they wouldn't bring a, a broad head on their mm-hmm. on their arrow, you know. Yeah, I've I've been fortunate to hunt a lot of species in a lot of places. I've hunted my entire life, hunt really hard, and I've had a hoot down here. Awesome, an absolutely great time. It's been great. Um, that axis deer, yeah, we got it the first morning. It was not our first stock. Okay, no, it's the second stock. Second, yeah, yeah, and it was. A very interesting hunt to me, and it's one that I'm going to remember and reflect on for a long time. I made a bad shot. I shot four inches low and hit um, hit brisket, broke a leg, and went through uh, part of the leg on the other side without breaking bone. Didn't know it, right? Wasn't able to observe the impact in the scope. It was like a 150-yard shot, mm-hmm. leaning on a fence, and I hit low. Nothing. There's, there's no way around it. I, I did not make that bullet impact where I intended to. So there's some things I got to work on there, but we got on it. We started tracking it, blood trailing it, jumped over two fences with a broken leg, a testament to the toughness of that animal. And we followed that blood for about 450 yards. Yes. And it, it was not an easy blood trail to follow. By any means, sometimes it was easy, sometimes it wasn't, like a lot of blood trails are. Wasn't really enough for me to conclusively say what kind of hit it was, other than wasn't lungs, mm-hmm. right? Lung shot animals not going to go that far, just how the world works. And we had an opportunity here where the ranch manager um, has dogs for trailing deer, for yes. trailing wounded deer. He has a business around it. And I was like, absolutely. And I, I'm confident that we could have found that deer. And in fact, where we turned around, we were extremely close to it. Yes. Extremely right. close yeah, to not, it. Not, extremely is like yeah. a stretch. Right. <laughs> he was, we weren't far. He was right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. But we had this tool available and this tool being dogs that can track a wounded animal. Yes. We backed off and um, he came in with his dogs and the dogs found that deer in seconds. Mm-hmm. And we went over there and had our deer. It was awesome it was really cool to see that aspect because i've never had an opportunity to run a blood trail with dogs like that before Um, it's not legal in oregon it is legal in a lot of states and i think that it should be legal everywhere Um, when used correctly that is such a powerful tool for finding these animals and i've learned you know through you that i thought that they were following drops of blood that i couldn't see right but right. that's not the case, is it? No, it's a it's a the fear pheromone the the that it's a pheromone they put out when they're when they're injured that uh, stress that that they follow, and my whole thing with, with what I don't understand it not being legal, yeah, right. I don't understand that because when you release an arrow, when you pull the trigger, it's your obligation to find the animal, right? By any whatever you have to do to find that animal, mm-hmm. you you owe it to that animal, you owe it to everything you've worked for, right? Right, because. Number one, and I'll go back to this, access to your, some of the toughest animals, period. I have, we kill a lot. We, 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 we hunt a lot of exotics. We hunt a lot of axis. And a lot, we have to shoot twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, it's just the way that they're super tough animals. Or, or they, they, the first shot doesn't immediately knock them down, mm-hmm. right? So we do a lot. Of, we, we trail quite a, quite a bit, at least a little ways. Yeah. But um, the idea that you wouldn't be able to, do what you need to do to find that animal doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And as easy as those dogs make it, 
and there's some long tracks. I mean, they, they these dogs just happen to be some of the best I've ever been around. Um, when I can use them, I, I I make the phone call. If it's a questionable mm-hmm. track, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it. Some people are against it. That's fine, um, but I'm gonna mention it at least offer the idea that we can do that and get the dogs here and and save the deer suffering longer than he should. Absolutely. Save the meat, save the hide, save the trophy, right? Yeah. Rather than find them three days from now with buzzards. Sure. Or two days from now with buzzards. It doesn't make sense to me to not do it or to not be able to, to do it. They and, and the dogs do such a good job. I mean, it, we were we went from what would have taken us a while to a very short track and go collect our animal. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So there's there's all these aspects of this hunt that are are interesting because they're controversial things. Yes. Um hunting within high fence is controversial. Being honest about hunting within high fence is something <laughs> that a lot of people don't do. Yes. So there's a huge amount of people that hunt high fence and are afraid to mention it so they don't or they lie about it, which yes. is even worse. Yes. And then, um, f- you know, following uh, a blood trail, pheromone trail with dogs, controversial in some places. Yes. Uh, but I am all about it. I think it's great. And I, I, I can really see it. And getting to come down here and experience it has even, even more so solidified, you know, my, my support of what's going on here. And there are ways to do it wrong. And there are definitely people who are high fencing wrong. There are definitely people who are blood trailing with dogs wrong. Yes. Um, and I do, I do not support that. But I want to ask you, what does wrong look like so under I, those conditions? So, so a, a couple of things like, like you just touched on. For me, just being honest. Mm-hmm. Honest about what we do. If, if we're not going to go somewhere and I'm not going to tell you we're going to do, we're going to go to a low fence property and we're not. And, and I'm not going to, you know, put out the, the idea that, that we we're hunting uh, low fence properties and we're not doing it. It just doesn't make any sense. It's not being honest with anybody, but then you also have that your places that are extremely small and um, the put and take, we drop animals, they, they drop animals in and they kill them immediately um, or say darting animals and moving them to an area and killing them. That's sort of, that, that's completely opposite of anything that, that, that we do. Right. Um, our herds are, if it, whatever animals that we have, they're an established herd and we hunt that herd. It's, it's no put and take. So I just totally don't agree with that at all. So what is put and take? Uh, so you, you purchase animals maybe at an auction from another ranch or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you release them mm-hmm. and, and you kill that animal that year. Yeah. Right. And it, and it may be that day. It may be that year, but it's just not my, that's not what we do. That's, we, m- that's more like livestock. Yes. Yes, and, and the comparison is, is pretty accurate Yep. in, in reality. That's just not and, – and I think when you, when you say that, I, th- I think that's the idea that a lot of people have about Texas hunting, right? You're just it's going down and just shooting them in a pen. And when people say, oh, you're just hunting them in a pen, well, I've had people say that about a 30,000-acre ranch that's high-fenced. Right. It's not a pen. Yeah. You're not going to walk across it without dying. No, no, yeah. no. The three thousand, the place we were in yesterday, um, it's not a pen. You're not, you're not going to be able to just walk in there and kill what you're looking for immediately. It's not going to happen. I don't know. 
Like I could, I could definitely walk across that place, but I would be in such a, <laughs> a state of mind and physical condition by the time I got to the other side <laughs> yes. that I would quit everything <laughs> by the time I got there. I want no part of it at all. So that kind of brings me up to another thing that I want to talk about, and that is the immigration issue that's occurring down here. Mm-hmm. Um, and nationally, it's being called either the border crisis or um, people who, who are opposed to that, you know, say, well, there's no such thing as a border crisis. Uh, coming down here and getting close to the border and seeing what's going on this weekend, there, there's a crisis. Like, I can tell you right now there's a crisis going on. Absolutely. So all these fences, um, the way these, these fences are built, there will be a piece of, of drill stem, some steel posts with concrete in it going down to the ground providing support, and then metal stays going down um, between those steel supports. Anywhere that there's a rigid steel support, the, the wire is all bent from people crossing those fences. And it's not one or two of them. It's all of them. All of these fences are bent from yes. illegal immigrants coming across. And we were 40 miles from the border as the crow flies. So that's 40 miles. There's some 100 miles. And it's the same way. And, and, so, and as you get closer to the border, it's, it's worse. The, the, uh, you know, and I don't want to be political about it because it, I'm just not, I'm not very political. Yeah. But um, if people don't come down and see what exactly is going on, uh, my place that I showed you fence yesterday, where um, in the last few weeks we've had to pull stolen, there was a, a stolen vehicle out of a F-250 that was taken out of San, stolen out of San Antonio, painted white to match an oil field truck, put numbers on the side. They printed up tags uh, for the window um, and were making it look like an oil field truck when it was that one uh, a very good uh, police officer recognized that something wasn't right, went to pull him over, and they ran from him, drove through, I think, four different ranches, um, came to stop, came through two of my fences and um, bailed on the truck and left it. Um, we think they were just hiding it so they could come back and get it, but they end up finding it with a drone. Uh, but then they couldn't find out exactly where it was. So I went back and found it down our Creek, but that's not the first time it's happened. This is nonstop. Last week alone, there were one of my neighbors had three come through his fence from running, running from with, with uh, either loaded down with drugs or people. Three it's vehicles, gone. three vehicles. Yes. Three vehicles. Yeah. There's still Honda Accord parts, still alternators and that sort of thing from where they drove through my fence before. And yesterday, there were 90 people caught in that area. You got right, I mean, not far away. Just, just in that little tiny section. And that's just the people who were caught in a day. Yes. Yes. And, and this is a long ways from the border. So I'm talking about, and I'm not kidding you guys. If you walk through 50 yards of this country, you are done. Yes. Your clothes are getting ripped off your body. You can't see. You're bleeding. And it's after 50 yards. And I'm talking about 40 miles as a crow flies. That might be 60 miles of walking, you know, without water other than what you're carrying or some little seep in the ground that's probably going to make you sicker than hell. Yes. Um, it's just unbelievable what people are doing. And it makes me think about the conditions that they're leaving. And that's... Like, we, and we talked about this, that I 
understand. There, there's what they're leaving has got to be just terrible, right? So freaking bad. And I, if I'm in that situation, even if I'm just providing for my family, and that may be the wrong way to say it, if I'm providing for my family, I, I get it. I'm yeah. doing it too. Yeah. Right. There's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Yeah. And and that's I think that's there has to be some regulation. There has there has to be a better answer. For, but but what we're dealing with right now, I mean, uh, we can't lock our our house down there. Why if, not? If, if we lock any if we lock anything, the doors get broken, the windows get broken, and, and it gets used for whatever. So we leave everything open, so just so that things don't get broken. But the 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 last time a a group of was ca- caught by border patrol on the property, there were thirty five people. Wow, at that house that, that that you went to, and it's it's not very big. No, but but um, like I said, I I feel for them. I do. I I don't. I I understand what they're doing. Yep. I would do the exact same thing for my family, but there has to be something because with the good, right? With the ninety eight percent, ninety nine percent good people that are coming, right? There's also the bad element as well. Yep. The the element that may be criminals, the may the the the, the element that may be dangerous the the element that is um intending something else that's there as well and when you have the numbers that it doesn't take one percent is a lot of people yep that's a lot of bad people right and it's to the point now i don't feel comfortable taking my my wife and and my high school age daughter down there whereas i wouldn't either no it's it's it takes away a lot from the from the ranch and from 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 being down there and doing work and 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 getting things done. No. So when you're on this, you know, remote property, very, very remote, like you're not seeing houses for a long time before you get there. Okay. And it's behind locked gates. It's fenced in. You can't leave your truck to walk a hundred yards without locking your truck and you better be armed. Yes. Yeah. And and I told you that story where I was out lopping, you know, trees to, clear the roadway a little bit and I look back and there's seven guys walking between my pickup and I and I was like well if they were I left my pickup running because I wasn't paying attention mm-hmm. right it's good they could have left with it yep everything I had yep not a thing you could have done no, about it. no and my uh rifle sitting in the front seat you know uh it's a problem I don't know the answer I don't no, know I, I, don't, I don't know what it is I don't either what I guess what I'm what I'm driving towards is that you know, what I saw down here indicates to me that there is, in fact, a huge number of people that are illegally crossing our borders. This yes. is this is 100% a fact. A huge number of people every day. And it's causing damage to to the infrastructure of, of private property while yes. they're coming through. I'm not just talking about bent wire and fences. I'm not even just talking about vehicles getting stolen and, and things like that. Like there, there's, there's a lot of bad that's, that's coming across as well. And, and you, you saw one, you were on my ranch. Right. Right. That's a minuscule portion of the border. Yeah. And if you multiply that to what, from Texas to California. Yeah. And that's every day right now. No, it's a flood. It is. And, and I think, a, I had a hunter from up north from, I think it was Missouri. It's north to me, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> That's way north to me. But the, uh, 
Hunter from Missouri summed it up the best. Uh, we had uh, helicopters come over twice, right, chasing and, and, and looking and uh, super low altitude and, and border patrol vehicles zooming back and forth for a while. And he's like, this is a war zone. I said, yeah, that's the best way I can describe it. You know, you got border patrol guys on horseback, vehicles, helicopters, e- absolutely everywhere. Drones, blimps. Drones, blimps, sensors going off. Just, I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. No, we're, we're spending a lot of money. And then, okay, so somebody comes across and they get caught by border patrol and they say that they're seeking asylum. What happens? So the, and this is all from, from border patrol agents that I've talked to, right? And it's a situation where they present their name, their, their, their ID, uh, whatever name that may be, right? And if they're seeking asylum, they're given a chance to sign some paperwork saying they'll, be, they'll return at another point and they're released. And most of the time they continue about their business and they don't return. And again, sure. that's all from people that I've talked to. I, you know, I don't have any yeah. um, personal information on that. But from what I've been told from, from the Border Patrol guys, that's exactly what's going on. The problem that we have right now is that there's so many, they can't even catch up to that. Right. Well, we passed three buses yesterday, right? Yeah, like full-on Greyhound buses. Yes, of people being transported to uh, North Texas or north of us, right, to, uh, for, just for holding. Yeah. No, that Border Patrol facility that we saw was a campus it was huge yes they had horse stables they had a gym they had a lake they had basketball courts um you know they had a parking lot that was you know bigger than texas high school football stadium (laughs) yes yes. which is saying something yeah that's a Um, lot (laughs) (laughs) you know it it's it's just crazy and then if you tie it back into hunting you know, a lot of your hunters, when they're sitting out there, are seeing illegal immigrants crossing in, in front of them while they're hunting. Yes, and, and even, you know, we didn't have them on there yesterday, but the... Uh, that we saw. Yes, the, that we saw, yeah. But we're, we're having to run locks on our, on our, on our blinds. J- and not because anybody's going to hurt you, but you go climbing up a, a tower stand at night, you know, or in the dark, and there's somebody hears you and wants to get away. Well, it's, it's a make you hurt yourself falling yeah. down the ladder, you know. No, how far, how high was that blind we were in yesterday morning? Pretty tall. Yeah. 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 Kind of a wobbly ladder. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, not the best. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we get up to the top of that and Brandon goes, hey, let me just make sure nobody's in here um, before we crawl in. And I was like, oh, please let there be no one in here. Because <laughs> I, I, like, it's just somebody's falling and probably yes. multiple people yes. are falling a long ways at this point. And 100% guarantee I was one of them. Definitely <laughs> end up landing on thorns. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, and Man, I, gosh, between you and Mike Kimmel, I'm just afraid of snakes everywhere I go. <laughs> like, <laughs> El Sapo Guide Service and Python Cowboy just have me constantly <laughs> terrified of snakes. We've got our share, and this is you came down at the time. That they are out. I mean, it yeah. was our. It was ninety three degrees yesterday. Those yeah. snakes were snakes were out. I mean, we I did were, not see a snake. Didn't see any. Thank baby Jesus, I did yes. not see a snake. Yeah. Um, Man, I, I just wanted. To, I really appreciate you coming out. It's been a heck of a couple of days, dude. It's, it's been it's, fun. It's yeah. been super yeah. fun. Um, so types of hunts that you can take people on: axis deer, white-tailed deer, turkey, odd, zebra. Is <laughs> yeah, sure? Odd dad. Odd dad. Um, Oryx to fallow deer, m- mouflon, um, 
like I said, pretty much everything that we've got. And we do, we do a lot of, so we used to do a ton of, of bow hunts, a mm-hmm. ton of archery hunts. Um, we've moved, we'll still do a lot of whitetail, you know, with, with, and, and we do, do different scales of whitetail. We do the South Texas giant, um, deer that, that, that people are what's synonymous with what with South Texas, mm-hmm. right? We do a hill country hunt, which is a type deer, different subspecies, smaller deer. I mean, they 100, 120 pounds, mm-hmm. you know, may get up to one forties mm-hmm. is what we're looking at here. Yep. But there's just tons of them, you know. We'll do archery stuff for that. We're kind of moving away and moving to, to predominantly just rifle hunts. Why is that? Um, Honestly. If I'm being honest, so a lot, a lot of landowners are tired of wounded animals. Yep. And, and you... Is that an accuracy issue? Is that a gear issue? Is it panic? Training? I, so... I don't think there are any more. I don't think they make a bad bow. Right. Right. The worst bow on the market today is a million times better than, the, than what it was not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Right. I think a lot of it is guys really, guys like it. Right. And it's popular. Mm-hmm. It's popular. And, and guys want to be, and gals want to bow hunt. And I get, it. I'm a bow hunter. I love it. Right. And I make bad shots. Mm-hmm. We all do. Um, but you can negate a lot of the issues with practice and the right kind of practice, not go shoot three arrows at 80 and now you can kill a deer at 80 yards right. or an elk at 80 yards or yeah. whatever it may be. And, and being realistic with yourself of what your capabilities are um, in, a situ- in a stress situation, not in a uh, backyard situation or you're at the, at the archery range with your buddies. It's, it's, uh, and archery is not, not easy. And, and you've got a, every, you know, for, from the angle of the animal to distance to wind to, you know, 20 animals in front of you that, that are blowing and, and trying to get out when you're trying to draw to create an animal that's on, on edge, right? And axis are some of the most jittery, nervous animals. Not only that, they're also pissed off all the time. Mm-hmm. They look like it. They and, look and mad. they look mad they're at upset. the world at all times. Yeah. So wait till you know May when that when the main rut hits and they're i they're irate at the world. <laughs> so, but but the uh, the archery guys, and, and I'm, I'm going to go back to the, I hunt with some of the best archers that that are, that there are. Right. Mm-hmm. That they are really good at it, and even those guys may we. We, we get wounded animals, yeah. right? And my goal is to do the right thing for animals and for the business that I'm, that I'm doing as well. Because if we go in and we, we spend three days, right, boogering animals, where I have, you know, eight blown stalks and maybe two misses, which has happened, yeah. right, in a, in, a, in a day, well, how many animals did we just walk through? Because a, a lot of the stuff we're doing, we're not doing, we, we may hunt over feed, we, we feed roads and, and that sort of thing, and, and then we do a ton of spot stock. Mm-hmm. Um, we use a, a lot of our ranches, we, we feed the roads to be able to see the animals that we want to go after. We get out and we go to them and, and, and spot and stalk what we're, what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, or spot and stalk the animal that we, that we want to go after. Um, you know, and even with rifle, it may not happen, but we stand a better chance of it. Yep. And I stand a better chance with the numbers that we collect. We're, we're trying to kill, you know, in, in up to a hundred, you know, ish uh, 
access trophies in a summer. Well, that's what we'd like to get to, right? It, the more difficult it is, the more chances that we have of messing things up. Yep. You can only spook a deer so many times till um, it creates a situation where it's it's you're making tougher shots than you really need to be yep. be, be taking. And and I and if I'm just being honest, just guys not prepared for 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 what they're coming for. So and and but but you know I, I don't want to take away anything away from it. It's not easy. Bow hunting's not easy. It's just not. And, and when you get the wild animal portion of it added into it. Um, and then you get lack of practice, you know, even when you think you're ready. So what we've done is we just said, well, yes. And, and no matter what pictures you send me of all of your, your accomplishments, I still, we're not going to, we're probably not going to do it. It's just, it's just, it, there's too many, too many variables. Yeah. So if, if it's an archery only season, man, I'm going to be shooting a bow. If sure. there was a slingshot only season, I would shoot a slingshot. Sure. If I can use a rifle, I'm going to use a rifle because it's more lethal than a bow. Absolutely. And my feelings on it are that if somebody is using a bow when they could be using a gun, it's about their ego. And it's not about lethality. They're they're taking a higher risk with that animal suffering than if they were using a gun. And another thing that I'm a huge proponent of, and we talked about this as well, is suppressors yep i it has been so i was number you could put me top 10 guys in the world against suppressors for no reason other than i thought bad guys had suppressors yeah right you have suppressors because you don't you're wanting to sneak around here and do something you're not supposed to be doing right, right? that's what i thought it was and that's what the movies want that's what the, to yeah think. absolutely you put a potato in the on the end of your pistol and go to town right mm-hmm. no you just go, it makes this sound it goes yeah, absolutely. If you yeah. hear that, uh-huh. you know, yeah. sure. <laughs> well, so that was my take on suppressors. I had a landowner um, that probably the best guy I've ever like. He's a way better person than I am, right? Mm-hmm. Just wonderful people. And he told me, he's like, you can hunt my ranch all you want to, but here's the rules. And he said, suppressor only. And I was like, oh, goodness, what are we doing here? Right. Right. There's no way people are going to buy into this. Yeah. Wonderful animals. Mm-hmm. You know, at, I mean, insane. And we'll go there the next trip. It's insane. And the first trip I took with suppressors, I got it. It made sense. We're not spooking animals. Sure, they're, they're running. They're going to run. They're, nothing's going to stick around where you're shooting a suppressor. Right. It doesn't matter. But the amount of animals that we're taking off properties and the, the amount of hunting that we're doing because not only that, we have culling we have to do, right, to maintain mm-hmm. numbers. And a lot of these ranchers, we're killing two, 300 animals uh, to just keep numbers in check, mm-hmm. right? That's low fence and high fence. Yep. That's the number, the population is just there that we have with whitetails, with axis, with, with black buck, with fallow, with everything. There's going to be a number that you have to take out. Yeah, you have great habitat and you don't have much predation. Absolutely. And, and that's, so that, and we'll get, absolutely, we'll talk about that because the, we have virtually majority of my land is in areas where they raise sheep and goats. Mm-hmm. In sheep and goat country in Texas, if you hear a coyote, they call in helicopters, mm-hmm. right? Government trappers. It, it's going to be taken care of. That, that is a huge threat to their to their business. Yep. So we don't have a lot of predation, period. Mm-hmm. And so with that, we are that. Yep. We we have to be able to negate whatever whatever issues those are. 
So if we're shooting that much around a property, we have to be able to, if, if we're not using suppressed, it, it makes everything way more difficult, difficult than it should be. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So a lot of my hunts, I, I offer, especially with, with the way things are with travel right now, um, it's just easier to, hey, when you get here, I'll have a rifle here. I'll have a suppressed rifle you can use. No problem. Even with what bullets cost now, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, we'll get here. You shoot this rifle as much as you want until you're comfortable. And we have, we have several. Pick your rifle and we'll go. That way you can, you can get the same hunt as everybody else. It just, it just the suppression uh, uh, of noise makes such a difference. Yeah, and we did a, a full episode on silencers um, or, or suppressors, however you want to call it. Sure. Uh, and we, we'll link that in the podcast description if you want to know more about them. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of them. It, it reduces recoil. It makes shooting more comfortable and more pleasant. Um, it makes the gun more accurate. It makes you more accurate as a shooter, which is the even bigger deal. Absolutely. Um, you get a little bit of a gain in velocity. And you don't disturb as many animals. And it, it doesn't sound like a movie, folks. It doesn't sound like a movie. No. It's still a bang. Absolutely. I don't have to wear earplugs. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd have a conversation while we're doing it. Yeah. And just like yesterday's, yesterday's a prime example. Yesterday morning, when we shot that first pig, mm-hmm. a little bit later, another one came and had no idea that anything had happened. Right. When you were down at the other blind and you shot that pig with your pistol, mm-hmm. right? Which was awesome. Yep. Pretty punk rock. I was at another blind, not very far away from you, and I shot a pig, and you had no idea that I even shot. I didn't even hear you. Didn't hear me. You dang sure heard me. I heard you. Yes. yes. I could also hear it shooting a pistol <laughs> yes, instead of a blind. I was like, I think, oh, this would have been a great time for me to bring a uh, hearing protection. Your, your next message was like, there's a strange ringing in this blind. I don't know. What's... <laughs> <laughs> no, I and, and we were able to then walk around the property mm-hmm. and shoot more pigs yeah and nothing was boogered yeah we did more damage walking from our scent 100 percent. i mean there were deer picking us up yeah. 800 yards away yeah that that with a steady wind than, yeah. than anything that we we shot at yeah suppressors are great I love i'm them. glad you're using them yeah it's a huge fan yeah huge fan 10 out of 10 would recommend to a friend <laughs> yes um What's the future hold for you? It's a good question. You know, I, we've I've I've made some life changes uh, recently, and and I was blessed with a with a very forgiving wife that that understood who she married when she married me. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm gone a lot. I'm yeah. gone a lot more than than I should be. Um, an understanding daughter who mm-hmm. who appreciates what I do. Um, but I was offered a, a very, by a really great family, offered me opportunity to to manage a ranch. So I left what I was doing, and um, I'm doing now. I've got that added on. So so, um, we're making some changes. But the uh, another thing that I've done is I've cut down on numbers of ranches. Mm-hmm. I was you know we were pushing, but not just. And, and when I say numbers of ranches, I was I have ranches that are just me. 
mm-hmm. right? Just me, and, and I'm the only one that, that hunts these properties, to some that allow other outfitters to come in as well, and or they do their own hunts as well, mm-hmm. and I come in and anything that I need or I need to supplement what I'm doing as far as, say, I need a red stag, and I don't have any. I know they have a great herd. I'm mm-hmm. going to go shoot one there, right? Yeah. We're going to – my group will come over here, and we're going to hunt here this weekend. Um I was up around 300,000 acres at one point that, that I had access to. And to be honest with you, that's just way too much. Yeah. I can't adequately or, or just getting spread too thin, just spread too thin. And I can't, like you talked about last night, knowing the, 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 the back roads to pull in somewhere. You can't know that stuff. No. And you, it's not just knowing roads and navigation. Like you have to understand the terrain. You have to understand the wind, the water, how animals move around yes. every time of year. Yes. And you're hunting all year long. Yes. It's not like, oh, I have to know where the elk are on the third week of September. Like, no, you have to know where everything is all the time. And if you do that over, you know, quarter million acres plus. Yes. No chance. And and, and then not only that, to be able to provide trophies. Yep. Right. And, and a lot of these trophies, we're talking about an inch or two difference in um, a trophy or just an average animal. Yeah. And, and, I mean, people don't come to shoot average animals. We're, we're looking for as good as we can find, right? Yeah. Well, that's interesting, too, because I feel like in, in some ways the, the Axis buck that I shot was wasted on me um, because he is an incredible scoring animal. Sure. Um, and that's not something that is at the top of my priority list. Sure. Um, inches of antler are, you know, yeah, it, it matters to me. I'd be lying if I said that it didn't. Um, I like big things, <laughs> but it's not at the top of my list. Absolutely. And the experience to get to come down here and see new animals and see them in new country and, and experience them in, in wildly different ways. And then, you know, go a couple hours south and then it all changes again. Absolutely. So it, 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 that's huge to me. So for me, the way I run my operation is when we go out, you're going to, we're, we're going to go hunt for the biggest one we can find. Yep. It's, there's no, we're not going to be like, well, not that one, right? That if I'm telling you no on an animal, I'm going to give you the opportunity to make a decision on, on your own. Mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend an animal if he's big, Right. But my goal is to get you the absolute biggest animal we can find yeah. for your trip. And, and um, some days are better than others, sure. you know, and I have to explain that when, when guys show up because, you know, some guys get pouty. Look, one of you, one of you is going to kill the smallest animal. <laughs> I don't care if he's a giant, he's going to be smaller than your buddies, yeah. you know, and, and, and you have to remember that. Remember what your animal is. It's representation of what, and you were stoked with him at the time. Yeah. Right. Remember why you're here. Yeah. And, and. And be honest about it. Be honest about it. And, and that's not my, like, my goal is to get you the biggest. Yeah. That, that's just, and, and that may be an ego thing on my end, too. I want to kill giants. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know. It's, and you're doing it. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's not, that, not an easy thing to do. And the, the deer you shot just happens to be phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, you know, a 30, and that's, you know, we, we, we talked about this, too. The, the, the deer you killed is a 34-inch axis. Yep. With kickers. 13-inch yeah. brows. That's phenomenal. Yeah. That's as big as an axis gets. And you hear people and you see people talking about, and, and you see their pictures where they're sitting 75 yards behind and the animal's head's bigger than their body. And the, there's a misrepresentation. I think, I think social media and the internet has done a dis, and, and, and guides and outfitters and hunters have done a disservice to themselves and to the animals because the exaggeration of what animals really are. Mm-hmm. 
I've done this for a long time. I've, I've put my hands on a lot of axis steer, right? And a 34-inch axis steer is an absolute pig, yep. an absolute stud of a deer. And in that time, I've put my hands on one legitimate 38-inch deer, right? Yeah. And when, you, when people call and say, oh, I want a 40-incher, oh, I want this, oh, I'm like, hey, guys, that is an anomaly, the thirty-eight mm-hmm. incher that that we that that we is an anomaly. Yeah, you can think of it like a genetic mutation. Absolutely, it, it'd be like I'm just really looking for an albino. It's like, well, that that's that's not something that that naturally occurs. Hey, we'll go on, look on a normal basis. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and, and and so when when you have a misrepresentation of the score, you have a misrepresentation of the of the inches, and guys come out and you show them an animal, and they're like. There's no way that's that big that you're telling me because I've seen pictures, Yeah. right? Well, that's what you're, the pictures you were seeing are not a fair representation of what, and, and when, when guys say, oh, I want a 35-incher, I want to come kill a 30, I was like, me too. Yeah. I want you to shoot a 35-incher more than you know. Yeah. But if we see a 32-incher, you're going to freak out because he's a big deer. And and what you've seen as that was a thirty five incher is actually a thirty two, and you're going to be freaked out whenever you shoot him. Yeah, you know, um, I typically don't measure deer with with clients. Yeah, there because I know I know what's going to happen. That the numbers just always disappoint. It doesn't matter. What I the wasn't. Deer, I no, wasn't disappointed. No, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and, 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 and it's not that I wasn't disappointed because it wasn't huge. It's it's just a metric of what he is. Yes. Like yes. I'm not asking it to be other than what it is. Absolutely. It, it's it's interesting to know. Okay, that's how long that antler is. That's how long that tine is. That's how big it is around. Yes. But beyond that, it's like it doesn't change my experience. Absolutely. You know, it, if we would have, you know, and that's the funny thing. You stand there. You're extremely experienced. The other guys we were with, the dog handlers, were extremely experienced. All of us stand there and, and guess how long this thing is. It doesn't matter. No. It doesn't matter. No. And then you put a tape on it so that you know, and then that's the end of it. It doesn't change your experience. It's Absolutely. a number. Absolutely. And, and I try to explain it to people, don't, don't forget, I, I told you the story of, of I had one hunter that was like, that's not really what I wanted. I'm like, no, it, it's exactly what you wanted. This is, when we talked about it before, this is what you wanted, and you were stoked when you pull the trigger. Yeah. Right? There's a reason why you wanted that animal. Don't let anything else take away from that. You want, this is what you came for. The experience, the why you're here. Don't let nonsense, and that's what it is, yeah. really, take away from what you, what you were here for. And the same thing happens with fishing. I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody hook set into a fish and that rod doubles over and all the line burns out of their hands and peels off the reel and they're smiling and this is great. This is everything they wanted fly fishing to be. Yes. And they get that fish to net and it turns out to be a mountain white fish and they wanted it to be a rainbow trout. Yes. And they go, oh, it's just a white fish. It's like, oh, you mean it's just the only native fish that's never been through a hatchery program that just fought its guts out? And burned your drag? Yeah. And now... Because its mouth looks funny, yes, you're going to have a hard time with this. Like, what about the experience changed other than the way you think other people will feel about this experience that you had? You, ju- I think you just hit the nail on the head. 
I think that's exact. It's the ego. It's the, it's the, I, when I post pictures of this, am I going to get rasped? Yeah. Right. What are other people going to say about this? And that's exactly what's wrong. Yeah. Um, so I caught a, a great big amberjack in North Carolina years and years ago with, uh, with Bob Corley and that fish whooped on me for a long time <laughs> and finally got him in. And it, it was a, it was a record class fish. It was a very, very big amberjack. And I hadn't caught a lot of big fish at that point in my life. Um, as, as far as like sure enough poundage. Mm-hmm. And when we got back to the dock, I was holding it up to take a picture and I tried to hold it up with my arms extended <laughs> the way I had done with, you know, every rainbow trout that sure. I'd ever caught. Sure. Um, you know, cause it makes it look bigger if it's closer <laughs> to the camera, right? Oh, anyways, this old, old sea captain that was there, he goes, son, if you catch a big fish, you don't got to do that. That's absolutely right. And it, what, it, what I realized in that moment is I don't have to do that with anything. Yes. Just let it be what it is. Yep. Yes. Be honest. Yes. That's it. Yeah. You don't have to use the fisheye lens on the, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so let's talk about the meat. So I haven't got to eat any of this axis yet. Um, going to have all the, the meat shipped home. I'm super excited to try it. Everybody tells me that axis deer meat is just as good as it gets. It is. You know, honestly, like, um, and my, my family, we, we eat some uh, wild game. Mm-hmm. Um, when we do, it's either Oryx or it's Axis. Yeah. That's our, that's our main two. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's, it's, it's real, compa- it's, I would compare it to, um, a young elk. Mm-hmm. That's what I would size wise everything. I mean, it's pretty much the same, but it's, it's delicious. Axis to me in my extraordinarily limited experience with them seem to have a lot in common with elk. Very much so. And, and what's. <laughs> They've got a lot of things going against them. They're beautiful. They have giant antlers. They're fun to hunt, and they're delicious. I mean, that's not a lot of favor for them. And <laughs> you know, native to, to India. Native to India. Yeah. So yeah, you know they're they're keyed up all the time. They evolved with tigers. tigers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am I am very little in comparison yeah. to a tiger and chaser, leopards. Right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Right? Um, the the black buck as well. Yeah. And they that's where they came from. Yeah. You know. And we go back to talking about when we were talking about earlier the the inches wise, right? Mm-hmm. On, on on animals, we're talking about a difference of an inch or two being a trophy and a, and a non trophy, right? And knowing and, and you got to go to a lot of ranches and know that okay. And we talk about measurement. Knowing I measure mostly for myself to make sure I'm still right. Mm-hmm. You know, especially at the start of the season. But you know, once we start get going again, you know, we we you kill forty in a over a summer 40 or 50 and you're like, okay, I got a pretty good idea what that, you know, yeah. inch, inches wise. Yeah. That is you get a pretty well calibrated <laughs> yeah, mark one yeah. eyeball. If, if I, if I miss one, but very far, uh, I, I, I've, I've really messed up. I didn't get a good look at them. Yeah. You know? But, uh, um, white tails are the same, you know, yeah. the first few you shoot during the year, you're like, is he, is yeah. he as big as I thought he was, you know? And, and then even with cell cameras, you know, you, we run cell cameras on a lot of stuff and, uh, and our, our uh, uh, cameras on all of our stuff mostly, but when you look at deer and camera on camera, and then you look at them in person, a lot of times they're not comparable. That's why I like video. One of the reasons that I like video yes. so much. Yes. Um, with the stuff that I do, I learn more from the audio that I get from the video than I do from the actual images themselves. Really? 
Oh, the audio is terrific. You'll hear sounds that you did not know animals made. Oh, yes. Um, okay. And you get to see what they're doing when they make the sound, and you can start piecing it all together and understanding this language in a multidimensional way. Um, so I, I love video for that. But the other thing that video gives you is something other than a static snapshot. You get to see them turning and moving around and walking and changing distances and comparing with, with other objects there that you ha- you know the size of. Right. And you can start getting a, a much clearer picture. But, man, it takes way longer to go through videos than those photos. That's, it takes it, up a lot more yes. space. That, that's, a, that, that's a good idea. I, I, I always never used right? – I never used video just, like you said, time-wise. Mm-hmm. See, looking, I mean, if I've got a thousand pictures per camera and I've got twenty-one to check today, yeah. Well, I'm going to be here a while, yeah. If, especially if they're videos and it eats so much of my cards that I was using at the time, and yeah. and um, you know, I don't know how many how many cameras I have out at ranches that I'll drive by. I'm like, I don't remember when I put this camera here, yeah, or this pop up, right? That was when was that? Yeah, you know, 2012, right? You know. Anyway, it's uh, the video might be a good idea for me, just yeah. to get a better idea. I think it'd be fun, especially during the rut. Yes, um, when those when those deer are cranking around a little bit. Absolutely, I think it'd be really interesting. Um, I didn't know that axis deer made sounds, so yes. I yes. think a lot of people don't know that, and they certainly don't know the type of sounds that they make during the rut. Yes, so I would I'd love to see that personally. You know, if come you back and do it. I'd, I'd do an that. imitation, yeah. but I don't think anybody wants to hear that. Yeah, so that's <laughs> I heard I heard Sam Soholt do an imitation right after he got back from Hawaii the first time, and uh, it was hilarious. So I was trying to get you to just <laughs> yeah, not happening. Do it not happening. <laughs> I, I tell you, Hawaii is somewhere I want to go. I we talked about that as well, and I keep saying that, but yeah, I, I would really, I want to see. I would like to see if they if they act the same as these. Yeah, yeah, and in Hawaii. Not high fenced, but it is in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It's it's tougher for them to get out of that. Yeah, it's a long swim to get to another place. Uh-huh. So I mean that's that's true. You, you we, we yeah. It's, it's, so it's a long. If you want to if you want to be picky about can they get away? Like nah, they're no. probably not going to get off Lanai. No, no, not going to make it to Molokai from there. <laughs> no, the sharks that's, will get them. That's a that's a a heck of a swim. Yeah. Um. And check a lot of our a lot of our ranches are probably the same size, probably as sure. those, you know, especially Texas ranches. Yeah. You get to 140, 100, you know, three hundred thousand acre ranches. I mean, it's it's, it's a big piece of property. It's a lot of ground. Texas yeah. is a big state. We've got it all. Yeah, we've got it all from from mountains to to desert to brush country, hill country, East Texas, uh, piney woods, swamps, and, and the beach, which is. My favorite. I just so. learned that there's alligators close by me, and I find that <laughs> yeah, fascinating. Not far. Yeah. Not far. We, we um one of the ranches that I, that I was lucky enough to first start on um, full time guiding um had a lot, and I'm not not like one or two. It was yeah. like steal your ducks enough that they would they would eat those and your lap. So so how do you manage that if you're duck hunting and there's alligators around? Uh, you got to run real fast and get and to, to get your ducks. That was mostly what we did. I mean, it was, yeah. we couldn't use it. So, and it was mostly the smaller ones mm-hmm. that would eat your ducks. Yeah. Um, we just have to really hurry. So I don't know that I would like duck hunting if I thought <laughs> that maybe it was a race between me and an alligator to get to the duck. You know, and, and when I first started there, so I came from near the panhandle of Texas, right? That was kind of 
where I'd done all my duck hunting, all my guiding, and, and, and helping out a buddy of mine, uh, Dane, at Tool Creek Outfitters. Uh, wonderful, wonderful start for me. We were college roommates. Um, I came from there to a place in South Texas that I didn't really know there were that many alligators. They said there were gators, and I thought, well, they were just you know, messing with me. And then they showed me the first one. I was like, oh. And super nervous. Yeah. Super nervous to be around them. And after a while, you're like, okay. That's fine. I've had a couple that that made me a little bit, they were giants, mm-hmm. you know, had me a little bit nervous, but nothing that, um, we did alligator hunts as well there. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, they were still under federal protection, mm-hmm. so we, we got tags from okay. the feds and stuff, so, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, a wide breadth of knowledge you have. Well, thank you. For, it's, uh, it's, uh, for all, the, all these different species. Yes. From different continents, from this continent, Yeah. And and there's so still cool. there's still new ones that that blow my mind. Sure, you know that I'm like, wow, what I, okay, I don't I don't know enough about that, um, and but a lot of that also goes back to I don't know the specifics, but I know that's a dang good one, you know I, that that's a big whatever that is. He's big. What are some some extra measures that you go through to increase your professionalism as as a host, as an outfitter, and as a guide? So I think because <clears throat> you do some, you take some steps that I've not seen taken before. What's that? Well, I mean, you have everything professionally cleaned. Oh yes, and all, all this, so I even my my vehicles. Yeah, right. Vehicles is a big thing for me. Dirty dirty vehicles. Uh, people don't want to get into a mess. They don't want. Um, there's a way to to be professional, and, and I, so I've been through a gambit of people that have worked for me. Right, uh, and and that's another thing for me. That's a huge part of it is having the right people mm-hmm. because it's me, mm-hmm. right? I am, I take my hunts personally. Um, so per- and more of a control freak, I guess, because I want to be there mm-hmm. and I want to run the hunt myself. I want I want to, and which is cause issue because just numbers, d- dates, right? Mm-hmm. Time wise, I run out of time. I don't run out of animals. I run out of time. Yeah, and um. For me, having professional people working for me. Um, I've got some a really good group of guys that works for me right now. Um, keeping things clean, keeping things uh, polite, professional, the, the, the basics, right? Um, the places that we stay. We don't have the fa- – I have fancy lodges, right? But the majority of my hunts are ranch houses. I love this house. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's so awesome. Yes. yes. Everything is – is rock it it's comfortable um it's it's beautiful but this is also a place that you could live that you could work out of and come home to and yes um you know you don't you don't feel like you're gonna hurt something by you know sitting on the couch or walking across the floor yes um but everything is also immaculately clean yes yeah we have some great the the ladies that clean but most of our houses I think this was maybe 20s or 30s this house was built. Mm-hmm. That's that's something that to me being comfortable, right? Yeah. Not that that super sterile environment that a lot of you know the the big fancy stuff is. This is you can come sit here and lay down on this couch and take a nap. Yeah. And that's kind of what we try to do. A majority of my ranches are old school ranch houses that have been, you know, cleaned up and, and, and fixed. Or at one time, or not too long ago, were actually a rancher's residence that 
they live somewhere else and we've redone the house and, and it's somewhere that's uh, just nice to sit. The food so. I've had down here has been amazing. Yes. We had terrific barbecue today. Very good barbecue. Uh, I ordered one beef rib and one pork rib and two slices of brisket, and I was defeated. Yeah. Defeated. <laughs> I felt like such a coward ordering a single rib. It's like, what? No, that's not who I I'm the <laughs> rack of ribs right, guy. Right. I was like, well, that doesn't even seem like an option on the menu. So, okay, do what the locals do. And I was like, I'll just like eat again later. No. I don't know if I'll eat again tomorrow. That beef rib is the size of your thigh. Yes. Huge. Yes. Yeah. Delicious. And and you got to sample the number one and two, in my opinion, Mexican food places in the, in the state. Right. And that was mind-blowing to me because I've never had legit Mexican food before. Um, I've had food at a lot of Mexican restaurants before yes. where they order items from Cisco and it's all <laughs> identical. But I've never had actual refried beans, which I didn't know. I thought refried beans were just a canned thing oh, no. that you pour out. Uh, no, that's that was amazing. Huevos rancheros, enchiladas, that the carne asada was incredible. Oh my gosh! If if you sh- my my wife will get up and pretty much leave a restaurant if they're not homemade tortillas. <laughs> you serve us a a store bought tortilla, and your Yelp review is awful. So. <laughs> Uh, I don't know that either one of the places that we went to had, uh, you know, Yelp uh, yeah. per se. <laughs> no, and it no. would be like a meal is like four ninety nine. Insane. It's, if you had that meal in Austin, that's a sixty dollar meal. Oh yeah, and it was five ninety nine for a breakfast. Yeah, yeah. No, it was yeah. incredible. Absolutely. So good. No, I mean. And it's a great time of year to get the hell out of the North Country. You know, winter's just been beating us down for months, and you, I, s- you still get these spring snows that, you know, frustrate everybody. Being able to come down here and, and get warm and, and see all these trees coming to life and, and all the, the fresh leaves coming back onto the mesquites and the live oaks and yes. see some green, and, and um, ugh, it's just been incredible. I, can't, I cannot thank you enough. You know, I appreciate it. And you're coming in on the heels of – the worst freeze. All right, you guys had a very long, devastating, tough time. Devastating, killed hundreds, hundreds of animals throughout the the hill country. Yeah, and um, mostly non-native species, mostly yeah. exotic. Right, um, devastating. The thing, the the good thing. So, yes, I would have rather had hunted those animals. Right, mm-hmm. and it's it's terrible that they died the way they did. It was. It, and these are these are ranches that are the animals have all the food they can eat. I, yeah. I, I know one of the ranches I piled alfalfa and protein well before, besides what they always have. I piled alfalfa and protein knowing that the storm was coming, mm-hmm. right? And there were piles of dead axis next to it. Yeah. Just piles. And um stuff you couldn't prepare for. Yeah. But that being said, I think we're gonna come back better because our pro, our populations and these, that was a low fence place, right? Mm-hmm. Our populations, even on the low fence country, was just so, so high. Yeah. That, that, when, well, and, and not even worse to, to that, and you saw it down there, the drought that we've been in, we were two year drought. Yeah. You know, very all, all the water levels are very low. Very low. We're, we're having to pump water into, into, to lakes mm-hmm. now just to keep, just to keep water. Yeah. And, um, so you, you come on the heels of that horrible drought. A pretty long winter, and then 
a devastating freeze that shut down power, shut down everything in, here in the state because we're just not prepared for it. You know, that's not what we deal with. We, you, you throw me a 95 degree day, 105 degree day. Cool. I, I can handle that. So let me ask you this because a sim- Portland gets snow like at least every other year, if not every year in sure. Oregon. And they panic and they wreck everywhere. And they're like, we're just not prepared for this. Like it, it happened last winter and the one before. <laughs> yes, yes. Like it's on your calendar. Like it could <laughs> snow a little bit during this time period. But this was this was an especially bad and rare occurrence here. Are you going to do anything different to be able to prepare for a cold event like that in the future? And do you think other Texans are as well? I would hope so. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I'm yeah. going to be honest with you, because my household, I thought we were prepared, mm-hmm. right? I kept water. Mm-hmm. I always kept water in the, in the, in the attic, mm-hmm. in cabinets. I always kept extra food around. That mm-hmm. People thought I was ridiculous for doing so. And I always kept dry firewood, mm-hmm. right? And I've always done that. And we have a wood-burning stove in my home. But the freeze that we had wasn't just cold weather. Right. We had, um, it was rain, then freeze, then rain, then freeze, then rain, then freeze, and that was one day. Mm-hmm. There's only so much that an animal can take, right? Right. There's, and then, then that followed up with snow mm-hmm. that held on, so all these wet animals were dying. They couldn't handle it. Yep. They're not made for that. Well, then we followed that up with everything thawed. The ice on the trees thawed out, and the animals that were using the trees for shelter, the ones that we still had left, got soaked again, yep. right? And that night it got below 20 degrees. Mm-hmm. Well, then it got down to neg- in the negatives as well. Mm-hmm. They, they just can't handle that. Yeah, a soaked animal that's already chilled. Sure. Um, what What about within the homes? Goodness, I. Do you think people are gonna, you know, look at having wood burning fireplaces and and having a generator around? You would think so, I, but no. Yeah, probably <laughs> no, not. no, probably not. Just because be it, like, it, oh, it won't no, happen again. That's not gonna happen again. Yeah, you know. Um, I bought a generator. I bought another one. Yeah. You know, I've got, I've got one out in my, in my shed. I think a generator is an important thing to have. Absolutely. If you depend on electricity, you should probably be able to create it. And, you know, we, we were out of electricity after the war- weather got warm. Yeah. It still wasn't back. I was yeah. out for five days after. Yeah. Out, of, out at one of the ranches. And um, you don't realize how much you depend on that, on electricity, right? You don't realize how... Um, the first little sign of anything bad, the stores are no longer ha- no longer have food. You don't realize how much you depend on. Well, a prime ex- a great example of that is I left my home during a break in the weather to go out to check on one of the ranches because I was for certain the the pipes were going to freeze and, and break, and I wanted to be there to be able to patch that right. Uh, we're very lucky it didn't happen. But on the way out, nobody thought to fill up with gas before they got on the interstate. Mm-hmm. Well, if there's no power the entire length of the interstate, the pumps don't work. Imagine that. So you get out in an area like, say, Sonora, Texas, where you go west of there, there's not much. Ozona, then, I mean, El Paso, pretty much. You know, yeah. there's not much out there. It's hundreds of miles of not much. Well, I saw people filling up. They were buying, like, a gallon of gas from people that had a five-gallon where are you going to go on a gallon of gas? You're going to make the situation worse is all you're going to do. Yeah. And you had people just stacked up at gas pumps for 
you know, five cars deep. Well, the power's been out for four days. It isn't, you're, it's going to come on here in a minute. Yeah. You know, it, it just people aren't thinking ahead of, of what what could happen, you know. And, and I, But I don't know what the answer is statewide. I, I don't even know the real cause of what, you know, I know they were doing the, the – they were shutting down power in, in areas just so that, that they could save power. But I don't, I don't know the reasons behind a lot of it, so – Man, it's one of the I, one of the pluses of not watching much TV. I bet it was tough on uh, some of the uh, the illegal immigrants that got caught out there in that stuff. Yes, it was. Um, that was kind of during a time where we weren't having very many mm-hmm. yet. It just kind of really spawned yeah. this lately. Yeah. Well, i I hope for I hope for solutions. Um, Absolutely. I, I I don't know what they are. It's a really complicated issue, um, but it's it's a real thing. It's real, and that's that you know. And and until you see it, you can't comprehend. Yeah. And 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 we 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 talk about it like it's uh, whatever size side of politics you are, right? It's a real thing. Yeah. And I feel for the I feel for people. I understand. I understand that there are things that they are um, facing, and 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 there's. It's got to be terrible to go through that kind of trip to get away from something, yeah. right? It's got to be so, but but we have to we have to be able to find an answer. Yeah, and I I don't know that we're doing a real good job of it. No, we need to do better. We absolutely. need to do better at everything. It's everything. Improve at everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I'm going to improve at not shooting axis deer four inches low. <laughs> that's that's going to be my um my haunting goal that. And I'm going to continue to work on that a deer. Lot. That deer cleared that fence, and another one with zero effort. Yeah, with with no leg. Yeah, yeah. But God bless those dogs. Absolutely. Well, man, it's it's been a great, great. I really appreciate you coming. It's been a great time. It has been great. I can't wait to get you up into my country, and uh, show you some completely different animals and terrain. How do people get a hold of you? Um, you reach me social media. El Sapo Guide, El Sapo Guide Service. Yeah, the Toad, the Toad LLC. Um, I have a website, El Sapo Guide Service LLC, as well, and then um, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Okay. Same thing, El Sapo Guides, El Sapo Guide Service, E L Sapo. Yeah. So, okay. Well, you guys can find links to all that stuff in the podcast description. Um, and if you have interest in hunting in Texas. If you have interest in axis deer or any of these other species that, that Brandon is uh, is guiding, just can't recommend them enough. Um, it's I, I've I've just had a fantastic time down here, just a, a truly truly fantastic experience, and uh, I'm very grateful. Thank you. All right, appreciate it, bud. Catch you later. All right. This episode is brought to you by Stanley. It's that iconic hammer tone green thermos that women filled with soup while they were building B-17s, and men used to carry coffee when they flew those bombers into combat. It's that faded stainless steel bottle that's seen more trees felled and calves branded and barbed wire stretched than any living man. Six generations of Americans have been using Stanley to keep their coffee hot and their beer cold. They have a 100% leak-proof lifetime guarantee And now it's not just the old green thermos. They have camp cookware, drinkware for that evening scotch, coolers, and some sweet titanium bottles that are light enough you'll throw one in your pack when you go hunting. I love a company that lasts by making gear that lasts. 
And if you are anything like me, you will also appreciate gear that's more likely to end up in your will than a landfill. Check it out over at Stanley1913.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share the show with a friend. You can also rate the podcast and leave a review. Your support allows me to keep doing what I love, which is meeting incredible folks and sharing their stories with you. For more content and photos, follow the show on Instagram at Six Ranch Podcast or me at Six Ranch Outfitters. This episode was produced by Emily Brannigan with original music written and performed by Justin Hay. Art for the Six Ranch Podcast was created by John Chatelain and digitized by Celia Christofferson. Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode of the Six Ranch Podcast. I'll catch you next week.